are the God of us all. You're our Father who loves us as your children, and you just call us by name to be here together, and we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for being our rock, our foundation. We thank you for being our healer, our provider, our savior. We thank you for all these things, the way you love us unconditionally, Lord. We thank you, and that's why we praise you. That's why we worship you the way that we do, God. All our blessings that we recognize come from you, Lord, and we're just so thankful for that. So during this time of worship, we're going to pray over our tithes and our offering, our worship unto you, God. And you just take whatever our heart has to offer, Lord. Just take it, receive it, bless it, and use it to further your kingdom, to bring other children that are out there that still need to, to know you, Lord. And we offer it with open, cheerful hearts, God, that you bless others. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, amen, amen. Woo, what a wonderful Sunday. So glad to see your faces in here. Please go ahead and greet one another in person or online. Say, how's it? You can either say where you're watching from or just certain people. Getting to know each other, all family. We're going to have fun today. Good morning and welcome to New Hope Church. My name is Maya and I'm here with my good friend here. My name is Heva. What's up, Heva? Good morning. What's up? Um, we want to greet those of you online as well. Oh, yeah. Good morning to our online crew and crowd. Uh, first off, we want to let you know in the back of the sanctuary, we do have a prayer room. We got some awesome prayer warriors. So if there's anything you're, you have on your heart right now or you're believing in, we're here to support you. We got some... Yeah. Some yeah, warriors. yeah. Speaking of prayer, speaking of prayer, this week, <laughs> yeah. Wednesday, we, here at New Hope Church, the first Wednesday of each month, we kick it off. We kick off the month first with, Wednesday. A, with a prayer and worship night. Yeah, it's one of, definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say more than just um, the singing itself, uh, something that means a lot to me is uh, I was singing champion and my daughter started singing word for word with me, and that's when it hit home that. It's more than just a performance. It's more than just a show or a concert, but it, it affects our whole lifestyle and our home when we when we worship God. That's that's Sorry. awesome. That's awesome. And really, our worship and prayer night again. It's it's about putting God on the throne. We we sit at His feet. Uh, we listen to Him. He He gives us words. He gives us people things to pray about. So I would encourage you to come. That's this Wednesday. There's dinner for purchase from five fifteen to six fifteen, and then we'll kick off our our worship and prayer at about 6.30. And then this Sunday, this Sunday is a day of celebration. We're celebrating 42 years as New Hope Church. Our second 21st birthday, I should say. <laughs> Our second 21st yeah. birthday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that. You know, for, yeah. Thank you. My mom said it, so. That's her 42nd, so, you know. Yeah. That's this Sunday, yeah, Eva. Our second <laughs> yeah, 21st birthday is this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a day of celebration. Really, we're going to celebrate. We got some specials in store, um, and then, and then we're going to close. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're going to close the celebration down at Coconut Island. Yeah. Pastor Sheldon said I can get rebaptized over there if I launch off the tower. Oh, we're going to baptize you from the top yeah. tower. Second time. I did the first time, but they wouldn't let me jump off the first time. So, But that was also why I was there. You're carrying a lot of weight with they, you. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Maybe, maybe a little oversharing, sorry. <laughs> no, so that's gonna... Sunday, Sunday water baptism. Uh, and really, if you've been water baptized, we would encourage you as family and friends to come and support those support, yeah. and cheer those on that are getting baptized. And water baptism, if you've recently said yes to Jesus, it's your next step in your walk with the Lord. So that's this Sunday. And we potluck, we, uh, we fellowship, we play volleyball, Worship. we hang out. Yeah, uh, yeah we play volleyball, <clears throat> volleyball players in the crowd. Uh, we have a good time. We do. And, and really here at New Hope Church, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. So we really like to spend time with each other. So, yeah, I would encourage you. That's this Sunday. Uh, if you have any questions, if you want to know more about what's going on here at church, please stop by. Uh, talk story with one of us between services. Follow us on our social medias. Download our New Hope Church app. That's really the our New Hope Church app. If you haven't downloaded it, I will download it. It's That's the one-stop shop for everything going on with New Hope Church Hilo. So I think that's it. Yeah, We're good? You. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Right on. May, uh, thanks, Hilo. Yeah. Thank you, Hilo. You got baptized already, huh, Hilo? Checking, just checking. Good morning, everybody. Today we get to talk about learning because I think that's why we're here. I hope. Right? We want to learn something from God. And sometimes we think of church as in a place to go to and a place that we uh, go to so that we can not just learn from God, but we almost have this feeling of if I go to church, then it starts my day off good. Like my day starts off good, starts off my week. And it does because you're willing to learn something. Isn't it interesting that as parents, when our children want to learn something, it's easier to teach than if they're unwilling to learn something. Like they don't want to learn. You're trying to teach them something and they're like, oh, I heard already. And their attitude, their body language says that. Right? Their body language does that thing that cannot be controlled. It's because emotions take over. And when emotions take over, we, we have a hard time of thinking because the emotion says, this is what feels correct. So we're going to act out what feels correct. And so there is an attitude. There's good attitude, but then there's also bad attitude. And we like the good attitude. We love the good attitude. And then we punish the bad attitude. We even say this to our children. Hey, you better check your attitude. You better check your attitude. You want me to smack that smile? You want me to smack that off your face? I smack that off your face. Like we say those things. Then I'm like, I wonder if God in those moments are looking at us and he's like, hey, you better check that attitude. You better, you better check that attitude. I'm sure God doesn't have that kind of, you know, attitude, but we, we tend to see each other in that kind of way. We love it when things are great. We love it when attitudes are good. But when things aren't that great and things are a little like walking on eggshells and uh, things are intense and you don't know where someone is at, you don't know what kind of attitude you're going to get that day from them or that moment, then relationships become difficult. It's difficult. Because we often say, I don't know what kind of person I'm going to get today. I don't know what kind of person I'm going to get. Like, oh, don't wake up dad. Don't wake up mom. Don't bother dad. Don't bother mom. Just let them go right now. Because there's something that's happening. There's some type of emotion. And normally when emotions get the best of us, we gotta act it out somehow. Some of us, we do this. 
It's like there's so much inside of us that we cannot do at the moment that there's a pressure relief valve that God created that just in an instance of <sighs> feels so good. And then someone says, well, what's the matter? What's the answer? Oh, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing? No. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we do this. Like, like if, normally we have our phone, we put our phone down. But when there's a... How do we put our phones down? And everybody sees that, they know something is wrong. Like, we don't have to say something is wrong in order for us to know something is wrong. Body language says it all, as Ursula said in that mermaid movie. <laughs> Some of you guys weren't born yet. It's okay. Because if, if emotions always lead us, we're in trouble. So how do we become lifelong learners when we're built to operate with emotion and thought? How do we become lifelong learners when God says, I've created you to learn. I've created you with a mechanism to learn called a brain. We even say that with each other. Hey, use your brain. Use your brain. Sometimes we even knock on heads like, oh, empty. Anybody home? We, we do those things because we're saying we should learn something. What is the, what is the phrase? Um, if you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting res different results, it's called sanity. I think somebody said husband. <laughs> might, that, that, might be, that, might, that might be a part of it, but we all are in that predicament. We do the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And that's pr probably part of the biggest problem is expectations. We have expectations on each other. We even have expectations on ourselves. I was teaching my grandson. We, we, he, loves, he loves playing football. And he's the youngest one, so he's nine. His name is Oakley. And so he wants to play football. So we're just throwing football outside. And after a while, we want to have a little bit of a competition. So we play this game called Pig, P-I-G which means if you miss the ball, you get a letter. Uh, it's like basketball, right? Horse, H-O-R-S-E. Every time you miss, you get a letter. But we want to make it short because we don't want to be here all, you know, forever. So we make it short, P-I-G. So we're playing this game. And sometimes, you know, Oakley will catch in a certain way. And I'll say, hey, Oakley, when the ball comes like this, this is how you should catch. If it goes over you, turn around, do it like this. And I'm teaching him. After a while, I can see him getting teary-eyed because I'm, I'm, I'm telling him what to do and as parents, we know what that feels like when our children, we're trying to teach our son or daughter something, and we're too much, and it's too much information to them, and it almost feels like they're doing something wrong, and they feel like they're failing. So I pick that up, and as a grandparent, it's easy to back off. It's easy to back off as a grandparent. It's like, okay, that's too much. I'm like, hey, okay, let's just have fun. Let's, you're doing fantastic. You're doing fine. Um, let's just play pig. He says, okay. So we're playing pig. He misses one of the balls. So he has the letter P. He goes, oh, Papa, I have, I have a P now. I said, okay. So we're playing. I totally forget we're playing pig because we're having fun. And then as we're throwing, he throws like way all, all over the place so that I miss. But the rule is if you can touch it, then, then it's catchable. 
then, then you get a letter. So I'm like, Oakley, you got you to gotta throw fairly. So we, okay, Papa, okay. So we're playing. Then as we're throwing, he just says, oh, Papa, I have a, uh, Papa, I got to pee. I was like, yes. So just go in the bushes. He said, what? <laughs> and he says, no, I, I got to pee. I said, yeah, so just go in the bushes. He's like, for what? I was like, you got to pee. He's like, no, no, I have a pee. I'm like, oh, the letter. I got it. So there's a little communication breakdown right there. So as we learn this game, and as he continues to learn how to catch, that process of learning and growing only takes place because he's willing. We've seen it where someone is unwilling, and then they become uncoachable. And once someone becomes uncoachable and they're unwilling, they can learn nothing more, even though you bring in the best of the best to teach them something. So our best of the best is God himself who gives us his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so that we can stand righteous before him and he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to learn from him because his, his ways are higher than our ways. Learning something new isn't easy because we, we tend to come to a place of, I, I know this already, I, I've learned this, I know. And we even say that to ourselves or we even say it to each other, oh, I know, I know, I know. But what about when God wants to teach us a life lesson? What does it mean to be a lifelong learner? Because as we, as we grow, as we learn new things, and the challenges come, if we're not lifelong learners, then even the promises of God will be unattainable because we can't even get there. Because God is trying to teach us something here. That's why the Israelites, if you read the Old Testament, they wandered in the desert for 40 years because they were stiff-necked. They were unwilling to learn even from God himself, and all they did was complain. And once the emotions come in, when it comes to complaining, then all learning stops. So how do we stay lifelong learners? Because that's critical of being a growing believer. It's being that lifelong learner. Have you ever come across people who they just, they know all the answers. All the answers are down. They got it already. They got it. They even, they'll even let you know that they know. So um, my, my, my oldest grandson, Jaden, when he was first playing Fortnite, like he got really good at it. He got really, really good. And then so we would all play and, um, and he would win all the time. And he'd even do the Fortnite dance. He'd be like, hey, Papa, you lost. And he's all doing that to me. And I'm like, bro, it's on now, boy. Let's go. So we'd play. I still would lose. I still would lose. But, but that wasn't even the point. One day he comes up to me and I changed the password to our Wi-Fi. <laughs> What's up, Jaden? What's up? Well, you cannot get on Fortnite? What happened? What happened? <laughs> so it's in that... In that learning process that he knew who's boss. <laughs> and it is not me. Ask any of my grandkids, who's the boss of this house? You know what they'll say? Gigi, Heidi. Yeah, that's what they'll say. I'm like, that's right. I let her be the boss. <laughs> so in the Bible, so how... <laughs> So, so how do we respond when we're triggered, right? Because that's the, that's the word, triggered. 
We get triggered from something. There's, a, there's an emotional response. How does that, where do we go with that emotional response? Because emotions are so fast. Our thoughts cannot even catch up with our emotions. Our emotions go and anger is going and now we're doing things we normally wouldn't do if we weren't angry. And our thoughts are trying to catch up. We know what we should be doing, but that's not the reality. So things are happening and so how do, how do we stay a learner even when our emotions get the best of us? So this... So here, here's the thought. This is time. And you can, you can put whatever time you want. You can put minutes, hours, days, months, years, whatever you want. And these are results. So when it comes to us learning and us growing, this is growth. If, if this chart represents growth. This is, our, this is where we, we think we are. Like this is where we want to be in growing. We just want to grow. We want to learn. We want to apply things. This is, this is our thought. But this is what actually happens because over a, a time span, we learn small things little by little and then like compounding interest, then we start to grow and then we, we call it maturity. Maturity. Because there's a difference between like spiritual maturity and spiritual maturing. Spiritual maturity says, I've arrived, now I'm spiritually mature. Spiritual maturing says, I never arrive. I am constantly learning. If we, if we, think, of, if we think spiritual maturity is a thing, because, and, and there is, there is, but if we think that's the end goal, that I'm spiritually mature, then we put people on pedestals, and we think pastors have it all together. Leaders in the church have it all together. Versus, no, we're, we all have spiritual maturing to do. So we're all on the same level playing field, just in different areas of spiritual maturing. That's why we need the community. We need each other for spiritual maturing. We don't grow outside of us. No one is as smart as all of us. No one is as smart as all of us. That's how we learn. God gave us mirror neurons to learn from one another, to catch things. That's innate. It's, we're born with that. So God created in us a system to learn. So now we think that this is where we should be, but this is where we actually are. And what happens is we think that this is us, but in reality, it's, it's small, little, tiny changes over time. At an early age, we learn the ABCs. And we do it through song. We learn mathematics. We learn little skills here and there. And so there's a process of time. But after a while, we got it down. And then there's exponential growth. But here's what happens. All in between all of this, this, all of this area, this is where disappointment happens. Because this is the expectation and this is the reality. We, 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 we haven't hit this mark yet, our potential. And so we even put this on each other. There's an expectation on someone. And when there's an expectation on someone, that's a premeditated disappointment. Why? Because who's going to meet our expectations? We can't even meet our own expectations. First of the year, I'm going to work out every single day. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to eat good. Second day is like, ah, maybe every other day. Third day, it's like, eh, maybe twice a week. Month later, it's like, bro, that's so hard. So just the, we, we can't even, we, our expectations on ourselves, we're probably 
we're probably the most hardest on ourselves than anybody else. And when we do something wrong or make a mistake, it, we, we repeat it over and over in our heads. On the flip side, maybe you're the type of person who's like, nah, it broke, whatever. Everybody in the family is like, yeah, but we got to eat. Nah, get grass outside. <laughs> so you have two extremes sometimes, and then they get married. Whew, that's disappointment right there. <laughs> so this whole, this whole learning curve through time, like we set ourselves up for disappointment all the time, all the time. Like when you're coming home, you're like, okay, the house should be clean by now. I gave them an adequate amount of time. I even text them that I'm on the way home. It takes me 27 minutes to get home. It only takes them 15 minutes to wash the dishes, seven minutes to put away the shoes on the side. It, so when I come home, it should be good. They should have fed the dogs by now. Everything should be good. The cat should be wherever, and the fish should be fished or fed. And so <laughs> catch your own fish, cook dinner. Then you come home, and nothing is done. Either you will lose it, or you just go into cleaning mode. And everybody feels it, and you like it. <laughs> Opening all the cabinets, bah! putting away the dishes, boom! Like you, you just go into like ninja mode, and and so everybody's like, oh, so I told you to wash the dishes. You should also wash the dishes. Just throw them away. Just throw them away. Buy new dishes. Did she not go no? If we go into like, because now everybody's just in this panic mode because there's expectations. So when there's expectations, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. So how do we get the right results and grow over time? It's little by little. It's little by little. And it's, and it's even lowering the expectations. Ooh, that's a tough one. Because we hear it often. It's like, brah, you've been coming to church for 40 years. You never change. <laughs> well, maybe 41 year might be this. We never know. That's why with, with athletes, you know when we, we see them uh, do something great, maybe make a, a, a great uh, game-winning shot, uh, a game-winning goal, or, or something so spectacular that it, everybody's amazed. And we think it happened at that time because we see this. We see the success of it. But it wasn't at that instant moment. It was over a long period of time of practicing something over and over. And then that was the result. If you're a football fan, Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch, right? That one catch. Or, 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 or Michael Jordan's three-point game winner or something like that. You, you have those moments where it, it takes place and we see the end result versus the hard work that they put in. It's often said the difference between a professional and an amateur is that an amateur will practice something over and over until they get it right. A professional will practice something over and over until they can't get it wrong. So being a lifelong learner is we're going to constantly make mistakes. We're going to constantly not hit that mark of an expectation. But we keep doing that over and over, not so that we can't get it wrong. It's so that whatever Jesus wants to do in us, will be his will because it's his righteousness anyway it's because of him so if we're constantly in process of learning about ourselves we don't know what we have yet to experience and learn 
So where do we go with this? We're going to look at a couple things. The first one is to be teachable. The Bible talks about teaching over and over. Jesus even said, teach all that I have commanded you. The bondservant must be teachable. Like, we're, we're servants to the king, Jesus Christ. So we, we get to be teachable. We get to learn from Jesus Christ. When it comes to our, our failures or our shortcomings, if we think of failure as, as that's us, then we will say, I'm a failure versus I failed at that because there's a difference. If I say, if I do something and it wasn't good and I say, shucks, I failed at something, then you can, you can learn from it. But if I label myself and say, I'm a failure, because we often will do that even as parents or as a husband or as a wife, as a mom or dad, we'll say, I'm, I failed as a parent. So therefore, I'm a failure. Yet the Bible tells us the righteous fall seven times, yet rises again. So if you fail seven times, get up one more time. Get up eight. You fail 50 times, get up 51 times. Always get up one more time, then you fail. So failure can become extinct if we just get up one more time. That that's not the end. And many of us live in disappointment and we stay there. We just say, okay, that's, I failed, so I, I'm done. But no, you go the next day and you, you go again. You keep going, you keep going, you keep going because Jesus gives us the reason to. He's given us a life purpose. He sees greater than what we can see. So we stay the course because of what Jesus sees in our growth. But unless we're lifelong learners, we'll just stop. Which then at that point, when I stop learning, failure has got the best of me. And if there's anything about Jesus that we know of, is that he was not a failure. Everyone thought he was because he was crucified on the cross and was buried in the grave. All of his disciples were disappointed. But they did not see Sunday coming. And when he rose from the grave, everything disappeared. They're like, wait, 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 wait a minute. You came back to life exactly how you said you would. So now all the possibilities are endless. The disciples are like, let's go. We can do this. Yeah, first half, we're down by 50 points, but this is the second half. We have the king of all kings. You have risen from the grave. Wait, that means you can't die again. This is eternal. This is what you were talking about. And Jesus is like, yes, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them everything that I've commanded you. And don't forget, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's speaking out of this. He's saying, this is, you have the, you, you have the star player on your team now. So you can go through all of this because I'll be with you even to the end of the age. We can go through all of this. Just don't give up. You keep moving forward. You keep going. He even lays it out. He gives, he gives us not just parables and stories, but he, he, he makes bold statements in Luke chapter 14, verses 26 through 30. He says, if you want to be my disciple, and a disciple is a learner from whoever you're learning from, you must hate everyone else by comparison. I'm like, hate everyone else? Didn't you just tell me love people? So hate everyone else by comparison? Your father, your mother, your wife, your children. Hate my wife and my children? I don't hate my wife. Well, my children, maybe. But not my wife. 
brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. I'm like, that don't make sense, Jesus. Hate my own life. Then he says, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You know what he's saying? You cannot have anyone else above me. So he uses this strong language. He's not saying as an evil thing to hate them. He's saying they cannot be above me. Because if you're unwilling to learn from me, you can't be my disciple. A disciple is someone who learns. So if you're trying to learn from me, but everyone else is above me, you're not going to learn from me. You're going to learn from everyone else but me. So if you want to be my disciple, I, I, that's where I need to be. You want, you, you want to learn from me. If you can't learn from me, you can't be my disciple. It's like a, a, a student in a class who is unwilling to learn from the teacher. The teacher is like, then you're not my student. No, but I'm present, I'm here. Yeah, but I'm trying to teach you something and you're unwilling to learn it. So you're not my student. You're present here, but you're just not my student. If I'm unwilling to learn from Jesus, I can't be his disciple. Then he gives a story of, of counting the cost before you even make those decisions. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And we've seen that happen. And then everyone will laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. So it is with being a lifelong learner we got to count the cost. It, it takes a lot out of us emotionally to be a lifelong learner. There's, a, there's a, a phrase called neuroplasticity. I'm like, what is that all about? Well, neuroplasticity tells us that the brain, from the moment we are born, changes over time. It doesn't stay the same. It changes physically. And we learn new things along the way. So because God created within us a brain that can change over time, it tells us we can learn over time. Our brain is like a power grid that continues to make these billions of and trillions of connections with all the neurons that are in our heads. The, the neurons, the, almost 100 billion neurons in our head that make all these connections, that make neural pathways so that when we keep doing the same thing over and over, we develop a habit and once a habit is formed, it's like we don't even have to think. It's, it's like a, it's, it's, there, there are certain roads in different places that go on for hundreds of miles. And if you've ever gone off-roading, you will understand this, that the more that road is traveled, the more the rut and the deeper the rut becomes. So there are certain roads that go on for miles, and at the beginning it says, choose your rut wisely, for you will be on it for a while. And I thought, we got to choose our habits wisely because we're going to be with it for a while. So what are my habits? What, what in my brain, if this is my brain, what in my brain has been formed where there are just neural pathways that have been developed? It's like working somewhere for 30 years and you have a certain route that you drive and then after 30 years you retire and then you are going to go someplace else. If you're not paying attention, you will drive to work. 
because your brain goes to sleep because of that neural pathway. That habit has already, already been created. So in order to develop new habits, you have to create these new neural pathways. And it's very thin in the beginning, but you got to do it over and over. If you want to develop a new habit, you got to keep doing it over and over and over. That's the old life. That's the new life. That's why old things have passed away, as Corinthians tells us, that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. When there's something new, you got to develop that. Keep going. You work out your salvation. You keep going. You keep doing the things of God over and over again till you develop those habits. But we won't do that unless we're teachable. And if we're teachable, then God himself can bring in what needs to be taught. Then our emotions don't get the best of us. Or if we think a certain way or feel a specific emotion or practice a certain thing, we strengthen the rut that God is trying to develop. And when we see that happening, that's neuroplasticity in action. We're literally, as the Bible tells us, renewing our mind, which is how we're transformed. That's what transformation really is. It's not a change of behavior. Behavior is the result of it, but transformation takes place because something happened in the brain. So we stay teachable. We're teachable so that we can, here's the second thing, discipline ourselves. We, get, we can discipline ourselves. In other words, we're training our body so that it doesn't blindside us in living. That's what we're doing. We're training our body so that it doesn't surprise us or kind of jump on us in the life that we're living and, and surprise us. Like we're, tr- we're really training our mind, training our bodies so that when life hits, we may not be prepared for the entire thing, but at least we've trained for it. So we can handle it a little bit better. That's why when we go through certain things, difficult things, and people are like, how are you even surviving this? You know what our answer is? God. Like, I can't, I can't do, I, I don't have the capacity. I'm trying, trying to change things, but this happened, uh, this took place, this happened in my life all at one time. I don't know how I'm dealing with this. It must be God. And people see the strength in you because of God. And he wired us up that way to partner with him. So that as we change over time, people see that, wow, God is doing something in you. Have you ever not seen someone for a long time and then you hang out with them and you've been going to church for a while, you've been walking with Jesus for a while, and then all of a sudden they're like, bro, you're different. You're like, oh, is that good or bad? They're like, nah, you're just different. You're you're you're." you're you're kind now. You're loving. Now, why? Well, how was I before? Like that. That's how you was. <laughs> so, but then it's, there's a change. There's a subtle change. Like for some people, right, if we do the same thing over and over expecting different results, that's called insanity. Some people, have you ever been around that they're just always mad, like angry? Like everything, everything is just mad. Everything, you can ask them a simple question and they're mad. It's like, oh, did you, did you park the car by the, by the driveway? Where else I going to park the car? Where I going to park the car? You could have said yes. It's like, oh, you can, you can grab my water. Oh, you know my legs. You know my legs. You get legs? Yeah, last time I checked, you had legs. It's like, okay. Like, everything is mad. And it's just constant. And you know what? They have no idea they're like that. So when you say, how come you're always mad? What do you mean always mad? How come you always ask questions? 
we don't even know. That's why we need the community. That's why we need Jesus Christ. We so desperately all need Jesus. Now people, when they get in, they're like, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. That should be our mantra when we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror instead of being like, yeah. We look in the mirror and we're like, you need Jesus. You need, you need Jesus. And they'd be like, I know I need Jesus. Some of us are way on the other side of the spectrum. We're like, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm married to this person. I need Jesus. <laughs> Proverbs 15.32 tells us, if you reject discipline, if you reject it, that means discipline is possible. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. You only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. You grow in understanding. It takes discipline for us to grow. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 tells us to stay away from worthless stories that are typical of old women. Maybe back then, but I don't think today, right? It's the context. Rather, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Like there's a purpose why we discipline ourselves. We don't just discipline ourselves to show off with people. It's like, look at that, I got MVP. Of what? <laughs> Myself. <laughs> well, who gave you that trophy? Bottom, online. <laughs> I, because I, I, I did something great. What did you do? Bottom. I bought this trophy for myself. What did you accomplish? Nothing. We don't, we don't, well, we do. Sometimes we give trophies out for nothing. But for the purpose of godliness, is why we discipline ourselves. In other words, we have high value in why we discipline ourselves. And we discipline ourselves and we train ourselves over and over for godliness. I even had people, like when I would go to parties and then like foul language would come out, they apologized to me. Like, oh, sorry, pastor. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was like, for what? Like, I, sometimes I swear. I'm like, why are you telling me that? I know, I'm priest. Like, what, what are you, it's not confession. It's like, no, but, you know, I try to not swear. I'm like, then, that's not on me. That's, that's between you and the Lord, not me. Like, I'm not, I'm not the person that you got to confess to. I mean, the Bible does say confess your faults to one another that you may be healed, but it doesn't bother me at all. That's, that's our growth in the Lord and our journey with the Lord. So when we, when we are trying to discipline ourselves, for the purpose of godliness, there's high value in that. So we get to work on that with or without others around. The person you and I are most accountable to or, or that we should be is not one another, and it's not even the Lord himself. The best person is ourself because we're with ourselves more than anybody else. If you're not hanging on yourself more than anybody else, you got to go doctor. <laughs> you might have to do a small kind brain scan. <laughs> so here's what we do. We fall in love with Jesus. That's the last thing. You fall in love with Jesus. Don't fall in love with church. Please don't fall in love with church. You can fall in love with, like, I love going to church. We can say those things, but fall in love with Jesus more than a church or a pastor. Fall in love with Jesus because he's the reason why we're even here. We're not here to attend church. We are the church. You're, the church is wherever you go. You're the church. 
when you're not here, there's no church. There's a building. You're the church. You're the light of the world, how Jesus puts it. That word church means the called out ones. You're called out, not in. This is like our huddle. What's the game plan, Lord? Together, we're learning. Ready, break. Let's go execute it. Let's go score, Lord. Let's go. So we fall in love with Jesus. It's our love for Jesus that keeps us learning when we don't want to. Because we love him. When you love someone, you're willing to learn. And you want to learn from him because you love. Especially when our habits are already formed. Our love for Jesus will bypass even our ungodly habits. So if you're thinking, oh, I, I got I to I gotta change all of the things that I've been doing, otherwise Jesus won't accept me. He already accepted you. He already accepted you. You're, you're, he already loves you. That's why he thought of you. He thought of you and said, I love him. I love her. Created for eternity. Even though not yet born. That's how great God is. He doesn't love us because of our behavior. He loves us because he is love. So he doesn't wait for us to become good, to accept us. He, are, he is already good. So you don't have to change in order for Jesus to accept you. But you will want to because you love him. And yep, that small incremental growth, that 1% daily, that one change daily, that small thing could be 0.02% daily over a long period of time, we'll see the end results. That's not what we shoot for. We just fall in love with Jesus. We all have this ability to be lifelong learners. That's why Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not if you keep my commandments, it'll, it'll equal me loving you. So if you do my commandments, I will love you. If you do my commandments, that's proof you love me. He said, no, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. If you love me. Because love never fails. So we love Jesus, and he never fails. So we continue growing in him. You know what most of us do? We'll look at the end result, and we'll say that this, this is what I'm, this is, what I see in people. I see others' success. I see an influencer on social media. And so why can't I just be this? We see something amazing happen. We see someone who grew a company or someone who made, who, who is making great decisions. And then we want that, but then we can't get that, so we're disappointed. But what we don't see is all of this. Years. Years. We even say, like, wow, that person, overnight success. We see a video on YouTube of a singer who just made a hit. But it's been all this. Small, tiny, little changes in their habits. If you, if you understand basketball or you follow basketball, NBA, Kobe Bryant, uh, one of, one of, another player who wanted to learn from him recognized that he would go to the gym early, so he went to the gym early, and he was watching Kobe Bryant practice this one move 
over and over and over again, constantly. And he's watching that. He's like, he does that so fluidly, over and over. He doesn't need to. Like he has it down already. Why is he practicing that which he already has down? Well, that's so when he made that game-winning shot, he didn't have to think. It was already in him. Even though a man's hand is in his face and he can't even see the rim, it's already in him. And we look at that shot and we say that was incredible, which it was, but what we never saw are the times he missed and was disappointed over and over and over. Listen, guys, we're going to be disappointed over and over and over. But Jesus steps in, and he lives in us. You're not a failure. You may have failed at something, but that's not you. The decisions we will make will be unbelievable. And people will be like, wow, how'd you make that decision? That was so wise of you. That was great. It was always in you. He's always been in you. You just have to catch and release and watch what he does. It will be him. It will always be him. Being a lifelong learner has more to do with the Jesus in you than the Jesus we're learning about. It's going to be his power. It will always be his power. He just wired us up to partner with him so that together, when that shot is made, that goal is made, that decision was made, in whatever way possible, make or miss, you did it together. That's all he wants. He just wants this relationship. So when we pray today, wherever you find yourself on this chart, whatever it looks like, go back to Jesus. That's the best journey we could ever find. It's the only way we can be a lifelong learner. It'll always be because of him. So let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for giving us the example on how we can be lifelong learners. It will be with you. Yes, we're going to discipline ourselves. We want to stay teachable. We want to fall in love with you. And when we fall in love with you, it's your love that never fails. Yeah, we're going to have some disappointments in life. We're going to have some, some makes and some misses. We're going to do well one day and then the next day not so well. But we keep learning, Lord. We fall, we get back up. We fall, we get back up. And then people see you glorified because of it. People will see more of you in us, in our weakness, than they will ever in our own strength. So we turn to you today. Thank you for teaching us out of your great love. We pray all of these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. And we all said together, amen. 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 Stay lifelong learners, guys. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. God bless you guys. Yeah.